This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Recently on the Conversation Hour, we spoke about the stigma and discrimination that people with dementia often face. What you may not know is that family members and people caring for someone with dementia are also likely to experience discrimination. In a Dementia Australia survey of thousands of carers, most said that they'd been left out of family gatherings and not invited to social functions. So are you caring for a loved one with dementia? What support do you need? And what would make it easier for you and the person that you're caring for at home and out and about in the community? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour. And it's Bronwyn O'Shea here with you today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt. There are some really terrific things being done across Victoria to make life a little bit easier for people with dementia and their carers, and we're going to hear about some of those this morning. But I also want to hear from you about your experience caring for someone with dementia and what you really do think needs to change so that you and the person you care for can stay connected with friends and with your local community as well. Barbara Williams is a Director of Client Services with Dementia Australia. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Bronwyn. Thank you for having me. I'm joining really... you today from the lands of the Ewan Nation, which is oh, lovely. Thank you. It's, it's really disappointing to hear that family and friends of people with dementia also feel discriminated against and, and quite isolated too. Why do you think that's the case? Um, it's really interesting, but not unexpected. And I think dementia is largely an invisible disease. And what we can't see, we don't understand. And when we don't understand something, we can quite often be afraid of it and then avoid it. And when people feel uncomfortable not knowing what to say or how to respond, the natural human reaction for that is to step back and avoid it. And I think that contributes to the fact of why some carers, as well as people with dementia, experience that isolation and discrimination associated with dementia. Is it getting any easier? I think things are improving, and I would never say that they're not improving, but each person's experience with dementia is an individual experience. So some people in some communities find it much harder than others. What sort of support is there for people who are um, caring for or have a friend or, or loved one who has just had a diagnosis of dementia? Yeah, it can be really tough when you're facing um, a diagnosis of dementia, but Dementia Australia is here to help everybody and nobody is um, left to feel alone with a diagnosis of dementia or as a carer. So what's important for carers is they access information and services as soon as possible. So Dementia Australia has services such as post-diagnostic support, counselling services, carer support groups and even our 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week National Dementia Helpline. That service is there to help people at any time of the day or night with any questions at all about dementia. What happens when we do start to see people with dementia and, and their support networks feeling isolated, feeling like they're not being invited to functions or they're being left out of family events? What are the flow-on effects of, of that isolation? Um, 
I guess it's the stigma and isolation and discrimination that is being experienced because um, communities aren't as inclusive as they should be for people with dementia and their family carers. So the impacts of that are we see people becoming more isolated. They stay at home, have <clears throat> a reduced social network, <clears throat> excuse me, and as a result, they lose contact with those that support them in the community and lose their independence. And how important is that, is, is it to maintain that independence, to feel as though you've still got those connections, that you can be out and about doing things and, and be confident to do that? Yeah, it's really important. Dementia Australia is funded by the Commonwealth Government to run a program called the Dementia Friendly Communities Program. And this is a program that's designed to help communities tackle the stigma, isolation and discrimination that is experienced by many people living with the impact of a dementia diagnosis. So we encourage communities to um, become involved with the dementia friendly community program and really it all starts with a simple conversation speak to carers speak to people with dementia and ask them what help they need to stay connected and involved in their communities there's a text here that says my sister and i currently care for our mum who has alzheimer's it's extremely difficult not to mention the grief what is the hardest is friends leave you out assuming you can't attend a dinner or another social function without first asking now is the most important time than ever to invite carers even if they can't attend for whatever reason to be asked is the kindest gift of all and that isn't that hard to hear barbara yeah, it's so sad when this happens. And I think that information on dementia and helping people understand dementia is the key to unpacking these kind of issues and reducing this type of stigma and isolation. We unfortunately see a lot in our communities. There's another message here that says, I found people are generally so kind and caring. However, so much is left up to the carer. It took me a long time to convince a doctor to test my mother. And then once the diagnosis was given, we were just sent on our way. There are so many ethical questions with dementia as it progresses slowly sometimes. So for instance, you know, do they have the capacity to vote? I think as a society, says this listener, we need to plan for the ageing population and possibly more dementia. These people will not cope with computers and pins and all the complicated things we deal with now. Just on that mm. issue of, of once the diagnosis was given, we were sent on our way. Is that something you hear often, Barbara? Unfortunately, we hear it more often than we'd like. Dementia Australia is working hard to work with diagnosticians and medical professionals across the country to try and create a more integrated service network for people impacted by dementia. But we would encourage any person who um, is concerned about their memory and isn't getting the leverage they think they deserve from their GP or alternatively people who have recently been diagnosed to reach out to our National Dementia Helpline. We'll be able to help you with accurate, trusted information that will set you on your path to living well with dementia. And that number is 1800 100 500. That's the National Dementia Helpline. I know that no one experiences dementia in quite the same way as anybody else. It's it's really mm. different for each individual. Does that make it a little bit trickier, Barbara, for caregivers? Because, you know, there's no guidebook. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. 
Yeah, it can be really tricky, but it can also be very rewarding as well as physically and um, and emotionally demanding. But I think what to be successful as a carer, you not only need to learn as much as you can about dementia, you need to interpret that with your personal knowledge of the person you're caring for. And it's a trial and error situation. What works today may not work tomorrow. But the key to success is looking after yourself as a carer. If you get worn down as a carer, your caring role will become even more difficult. And I think it's vital for carers to take care of themselves and balance their own needs with those of the person that they're caring for. That's usually easier said than done, though, isn't it? It is, and that's where services such as Dementia Australia Services can help you learn the skills and the knowledge that you need to be able to ask for help to use services that are available from us or from the wider community um, to help you understand the simple tips to exercising regularly and eating a balanced diet and all of those little things together can help you as a carer to continue in your caring role but to stay as healthy and well as you can as well. We're speaking with Barbara Williams on The Conversation Hour. She's Director of Client Services at Dementia Australia. Taking a look at what it's like for people caring with a loved one with dementia, I'd love to hear from you about what your experience has been. Fiona has given us a call from Bunanyong. Hello there, Fiona. Hi there, how are you? I'm well. What's your story? Um, I was just wanting to tell the story of my dad who was the carer for my mum for probably um, seven or eight years and some of the pressures that I found were around the ACAS model of funding. My mum was actually operating at a level four which she had been assessed at but she never ever accessed that funding to provide for her care. And there are real limitations around this process. So, um, but what I will say is that when she did access some money for the care packages, that the, um, I think it was the checks were able to provide really good care, like showering and taking her out for the day. Um, and that was actually really fabulous. So, so Fiona, what's, really what, what was the barrier to her accessing that support in the first place? The barrier was she had been assessed and it took a really long time to get the funding. And virtually by the time that so she was assessed at a level four, which is the highest level of funding. However, she never, ever accessed that money because I think what had to happen was someone needed to pass away before she was able to access any of the money. I mean, I'm really unsure about whether that's the process, but it really did limit then the level of care that we were able to provide mum. I mean, you know, I'm lucky. I have three siblings, so we sort of, we helped out. Um, But mum essentially went into um, high-needs care and was still funded as a level two person. Fiona, thanks for ringing and, and raising that. And Barbara, is that something that needs attention? Is is that very quick and appropriate response to support, for either financially or through extra services to support carers? Yeah, um, the aged care funding that that caller was talking about is Commonwealth Government Home Care Package funding. 
and the government is currently reviewing the process that sits around um, the way the aged care service is funding, funded and there are some changes coming in that direction. But unfortunately, yes, there are a number of people who find it difficult to get the highest level of package care that they're entitled to to support them to live well. I think what's important is that you don't rely on those services alone and that you reach out to other services such as Dementia Australia and access services that are freely available to everyone in the community and that can also be helpful. Barbara, last week was Dementia Action Week and the theme was Act Now for a Dementia-Friendly Future. What does a dementia-friendly future look like? I think a dementia-friendly future is a future where our communities are inclusive of people living with dementia so that they can live their best lives. So that includes things like involving people with dementia in activities, build an understanding in communities of what dementia is and how to support someone, build accessible um, communities so that that people with dementia can move about independently um, and enable services and businesses and our councils to be more inclusive of people living with dementia. And part of that is encouraging businesses and, and community groups to put in place some, you know, different approaches and strategies and measures. I know, you know, for example, supermarkets, some supermarkets have introduced a quiet hour where you can go and shop with, you know, quieter noise and lower levels of lighting. Um, and yes. that can be really helpful for people with dementia. What else is being done that's really creative and innovative that's making a difference, Barbara? Well, it can be quite simple things. There's an example of a gymnasium who had a woman with dementia join that gym so she could get her physical exercise and then she worked together with the owner of the gym and changed things to simple as the signage around the gym to enable her to independently move around the gym and get the most of her experience. And that's a very simple thing that any business can do just to change up the signing to make it more inclusive. I think I read about a croquet club who decided to introduce name badges for their members. Just such a simple, easy thing to do that I guess could make a really big difference to someone who's having trouble remembering faces and names. Yeah, definitely. Um, After all, dementia is just an illness and we don't want people living with dementia to be treated differently just because they've been diagnosed with an illness. So we need to do everything we can, whether it's as simple as signage or name badges, things that can make our communities more accessible and inclusive of people living with dementia. Barbara, stay with us. Helen has phoned into the conversation hour. Hello, Helen. Oh, hello. Um, I hope you, thanks for taking my call. And forgive me if I drop out or anything because I am driving. I'm new to dementia. Um, I have been a carer for... 50, 53 years of children. I put my own kids first. I was on my own and then I've got three grandchildren to care for. So I've been a kinship carer for a very long time. And now my daughter has got stage four cancer and my husband has is diagnosed with dementia. Today is a typical day. Um, last night I had to rush my daughter to hospital and I had to stay with her till well after midnight. I got home, I've had a little bit of sleep, I'm now, my husband is supposed to be going and getting a blood test and I've had a phone call from the hospital to say my daughter will be discharged because they've done scans and things and she's got a virus. 
and they wish her to be cared for at home. Now, um, one of the issues is I can't be with my husband and I just have to hope to God that he gets there in the Uber and has the, um, has the blood test done because that's important because he's a cancer patient too. It's, it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare not knowing which way to turn. He has got a level three package. Not He hasn't got it. We will wait probably six, seven months or whenever it turns up. And in the meantime, um, they've even assessed me because I'm on a walker most of the time. So it's it's not easy. It's not easy and and say turn to someone and look after yourself. If someone else says look after yourself, I think I'll scream. No, Helen, you stretch to the max. There is no time. I've already had um, care of burnout. I I did burnout. It just became too impossible, and I really was finding hard to function and. Um, but I've still had to, you know, just battle through it. There's no choice. You know? Helen, so Helen, what have you just got? A little input. Yeah, Helen, what what have you got that you, that you who have you got that you can turn to to help? Well, basically, um, well, really, no one. And I say that because um, my daughter's got three uh, young adult children, and they're dealing with also dealing with the grief of knowing they they are going to lose their mother. Um, it's been spelled out to them that that is going to happen. So there's all that grief and everything thrown in the mix as well. Um, my husband's got the grief um, because he is aware that he's got dementia and there's a huge frustration in that when he goes to do something or say something and he can't get the words. He knows what he wants to say but mm-hmm. he can't get the words out. So at the moment, um, I, have, I have managed to get someone to come and help me in the, cl- in the house I'm hoping somewhere down the track I can get someone and help me around the garden and all those things because I'm doing a lot. And there at the moment, there really isn't a lot available. It's wait and see. Helen, thank you so much for taking the time to call and my heart goes out to you um, with everything that you're juggling and dealing with at the moment. Um, I wish you all the best. Barbara, what what Mm. extra support is there for people like Helen who are at, at their wits' end? It is so tough and I really feel for Helen and her story. I think one of the challenges is, as I alluded to before, that we have a health system that isn't well integrated. So rather than Helen and her family being um, supported as an entire family unit, all the different complexities and diseases and issues are being treated separately, which makes Mm. it so much harder for carers such as Helen to balance everything they're going through. Um, I'm not sure if Helen has access to services available through the Carer Gateway, but they're an Australian government-funded service to support carers. And I think perhaps if they haven't, the Carer Gateway will be able to assist with some practical information and support, not only for Helen, but for her grandchildren, who are also grieving for their mother, who I'm sure they're supporting as well. There is a text message, Barbara, about Carer Gateway as well, saying people can access mm. services through council or other community-based agencies while they're waiting for packages. And that, yes, um, Carer Gateway also provides short-term services to support carers with things like counselling and respite. That text from Anna, who's a social worker. It sounds as though that holistic approach is, is missing at the moment. Uh, Yes, I think um, we're working hard to make that a more um, 
comprehensive approach where we look at whole family units rather than individual people and their individual conditions. Um, when it comes to caring for a person with dementia, the National Dementia Helpline is there to support people. But when you have complex caring issues where you have multiple caring roles, the story becomes much more complex. Barbara, thank you so much for your time this morning. Barbara Williams, Director of Client Services with Dementia Australia. And that National Dementia Helpline number again is one 800 100 500. Love to hear from you this morning as we shine a spotlight on the experiences of people caring for someone with dementia. If that's you, I'd love to hear what you need in terms of support and what changes could be made to make things that little bit easier for you and your loved one in the community. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Bromon O'Shea here with you today. Let's head to Heathcote where a local community group, the Heathcote Dementia Alliance, has just unveiled a very high-tech, world-first housing solution for people with dementia and their carers. Sandra Slatter can tell you more. She's the president of the Alliance. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Good morning. Tell us about this care villa. It sounds amazing. Um, it is amazing, and can I say, just listening to Helen then about um, care of burden, this is our care villa has been designed to actually assist the care of burden. Um, it's an amazing, it's a, um, a small villa, it's 1.5 bedrooms, and uh, it's fitted out with the latest artificial intelligence and assistive technology. So when you walk into this little villa, what are you going to see that's a little bit a little bit special and a little bit different to what we'd normally expect in a home? Okay, so when you walk in, you will actually um, tap uh, the um, door frame with, with a card. The door will automatically open. The lights will come on, the blinds will go up, and the television will come on. When you step in, foot inside, you'll immediately your eye will be taken down to the end of the villa with, with a uh, feature wall. Um, that's very important for people for dementia. They then know immediately that's where their bedroom is. There's a picture of the family dog on, on the wall. Instead of institutionalised handrails, we've actually used shelving to help guide the person along if they have some mobility issues, etc. We have a, a small carers room which is set up as an office and the um, it's a Murphy bed in the office. That's a desk which then folds down into a double bed. The carers room also has an electronic switch on it. So if the carer needs to retreat, retreat fairly quickly because the person living with dementia may start to become aggressive they can immediately feel safe and secure we have special lighting throughout the villa which is called circadian lighting circadian lighting dulls of an evening comes um, with a warm yellow um, light that actually assists melatonin to kick in so the person with dementia knows that it's time to start getting ready uh, to go to bed the blinds will um, come down in these amazing lights there's an incredible audio sound system so the um you can have bird sounds coming through this you can have wellness music you can have your favorite music actually come through the lights and the sound is just amazing in our little kitchenette, which we've actually designed with a cabinet maker um, from Bendigo, there's pull-down shelving. Uh, there's also transparent doors, so the person with dementia can see what's behind the door. 
going into the bedroom we've also designed a wardrobe with the same cabinet maker which has transparent doors so the person with dementia can see what's behind the doors and there's an area where their clothing can be set out so that they know each morning that's the clothing that they put on in the um, bathroom it's a fully accessible bathroom but it's a design bathroom so we've featured color in the bathroom so person with um, dementia knows um, that that's where the toilet is they often have problems seeing a white toilet against a white wall so there's a coloured arch behind that. And Sandra I never realised that just really simple things like that put the high tech aside for a moment simple things like transparent doors and contrasting colours that that could make such a big difference to how easy it is for someone to get about their home. Yes, no, it makes a huge difference. So all along, we've actually been consulting with carers, people with dementia. We've done a heap of research. This project has been four years in in the making. And, uh, yeah, wow. And so with the artificial intelligence, there's sensors throughout. So if the person with dementia normally gets up, say, twice a night to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden they're getting up three or four times a night, a red flag alert will be sent to the carer to say you need to take this person to see the GP. They could have a urinary tract infection and are more inclined to have a fall during the night. It will pick up if the person's had a fall. It all, the sensors also pick up if the refriger, refrigerator hasn't been opened by a certain time. It'll Amazing. send a red flag alert. So, Sandra, all these, all these little things... Um, that I imagine for someone caring for someone with dementia as well just provides so much peace of mind. Yes, it does. So, we, you know, we've talked to carers who've been a bit worried about going out and leaving mm. their loved one up behind, but this way they know that they're secure and they'll get an immediate alert or emergency services will be alerted straight away. Sandra, what blows me away here is that you are a rural voluntary community group and you have created this extraordinary villa um, I presume mainly through funding that you've been able to fundraise yourselves Yes, all the funding has come via local business or community members or um, we've held certain events. We actually have a a local event which is run yearly called the O'Keefe Challenge and they give us profits from their, their event to actually help us to get to where we are today so what's next then, Sandra? You have you have one of these amazing little pods. What's what yep. does the future hold for them? So what what's next is this will uh, for the next six months. This will be a living lab. So we'll learn lessons. Uh, we've already learnt some lessons about what works and what doesn't work. We'll have all sorts of experts coming through, particularly carers and people with dementia. Um, so we'll be doing all this research, and then at the end of six months, we're actually gifting. Costafield House to Hifkett Health um, so that they can actually use it for respite care and going forward Hifkett Dementia Alliance has set up a commercial arm called Care Villas Australia. We're still in the early stages there but that will be our a social enterprise to commercialise the construction of these um, care villas. Just extraordinary, Sandra. Thank you so much for telling us all about it. Costafield House is what it's called. You should Google it and have a look. It's it's quite extraordinary. Sandra, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much.
all the best with the future. President of the Heathcote Dementia Alliance, which is a voluntary community group. They got the funding together they needed and have this very high-tech, world-first villa for um, caring for people with dementia and their carers as well. We are putting the focus today very much on people who are caring for a loved one with dementia. If that's you, I'd love to hear from you. What do you want people to understand about the challenges that you face and how can we make things that little bit easier in, in home and in community? Bill has called from Beaconsfield. Welcome, Bill. Uh, yes, um, thank you. Um, I'm just sort of calling, uh, I'm a carer for somebody with um, early stages of dementia mm-hmm. and uh, my partner and myself have been um, members of, of the walking community for 30 odd years from a you know a walking club and um, one of the things that happened that, that I felt was really discriminating was that the club um, felt that as soon as they heard that she had dementia that she, that she was a risk to the walking club because of um, insurance um, etc mm. um, and um, my partner walks every day and, and also she doesn't wander off or anything like that but the basic ruling came down from the um, community, the bushwalking community was that uh, she could no longer walk on her own she had to walk with the carer present. Bill, what did that then mean for her ability to get out there and do what she loved? Well, it meant for both of us um, that, uh, like we normally do, walk together, but there are the times when I might uh, want a, a different activity and so she, than what she does. But in fact, the ruling that was coming down was, you know, you can't do that. You have to be with her mm. at all times. How disappointing. And, and and so because it was coming from above, I guess looking at a different walking group wouldn't have made any difference, Bill? No, that's um, basically, um, yeah. And the club was put in a situation where they had no problems with her, with her and her dementia, but the ruling was coming that this was a risk and it needed to be mitigated. What a shame, Bill. So, what a so shame. I think yeah. what I'm trying to point out is that organisations can discriminate so easily without even being aware of it. Yeah, and you wonder um, what action you should be able to take then, Bill, for you and, and your wife to be able to push back against that because that seems quite unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for raising it. Bill in Beaconsfield on 1300 774. Sarah has phoned in from Central Victoria. Hello, Sarah. Hi. What did you want to say? Um, I guess I, I just wanted to comment on the experience that my parents are having. My mum is looking after my dad at home and they have an, he has an aged care package that provides for someone to come in and spend time with him at home mm. but because there are so few carers available for the organisation to draw from, it often means that they're just plugging gaps left, right and centre with different people's needs and they have very inconsistent um, faces coming into the house from one week to another which with Dad's dementia he finds quite distressing to have unfamiliar people in the house and that's difficult for the carers as well because like the the paid carers because 
they find it very difficult to build a sense of trust and rapport. And the upshot is that mum gets to the point of thinking it's too difficult, it's no respite for her. And so she she has considered not using services at all because it's mm. actually counterproductive. What you need is just one person to be there consistently, don't you, to build trust and develop yep. that relationship. I think the relationship is so important and, and I think if it's just a matter of funding and workforce availability, that's not necessarily recognised. Mm. That is tough, Sarah. Um, how are you and the family getting through getting through this? Um, we, we pull together to cover things as much as we can as a family. There are a couple of carers now who have been able to be coming quite consistently and that makes such a huge difference so where that's available that's really been valuable um and really helps keep dad at home in his familiar surroundings really because um otherwise i think that 24 7 demands he knows who we are now but he has a lot of problems with communication um he gets very confused and he really relies on having mum around a lot so it's very hard for him to and hard for her as well to to go off and do other things if she knows that he's probably getting distressed yeah, because there's course. no one familiar around yeah and it's and disorientating for him to suddenly realize there's you know an unfamiliar person sitting opposite him or doing the dishes or whatever that makes no sense like to him that's uh, something that you know really does need some focus and and some attention sarah thank you so much for phoning uh, the national dementia helpline i'll just mention that number again one 800 500 this text says there are lots of carer support services out there but they have all been developed with the assumption that carers have the energy capacity and time to make another referral to another service this is why neighborhood houses victoria is trying to develop a model called neighborhood carers club across our states more than 400 neighborhood and community houses and centers at these clubs carers can just drop in and someone can link them in with a range of supports and services without the carer having to jump through hoops Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound amazing? Um, this text goes on to say, we are also hoping to get VIP cards funded for carers so that they can participate in carer-specific activities, e.g. walks for carers and general ones like yoga for free with the aim of helping to improve carers' physical, mental, social and financial well-being. That sounds and like an extraordinary service. So thank you for... Um, making us aware of that and good luck rolling that out. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And we head to Northcote. Hi, Liz. <laughs> oh, oh, he yes, hello. Uh, look, I wanted to say um, for the, the lady who's coping with that extraordinary um, pressure with her That was Helen. Helen. Earlier. I wanted yes. to say to Helen that with regard to the home care packages as helen will know you can be approved totally assessed and approved but you can wait up to 18 months to two years to get them it's ridiculous mm -hmm. um in a family i know quite closely um they approached their gp the gp wrote um on their behalf to the home care package department and stressed the urgency and they had the package within about six weeks. So I would really strongly recommend that Helen have her GP write 
to the department, to the home care package people, and tell them that it is urgent. I, I mean, that is an extraordinary situation. It is, and, isn't um, it? Yeah. And, and look, there are people really struggling uh, with the home care package approved, but um, no help coming. And oh. of course, councils have now um, left off um, aged care. Uh, largely because of the package, but there's this just hole in the in the whole procedure uh, because of um, this sort of bureaucratic nightmare. Liz, thank you so much for making that suggestion. And Helen, I hope you're still listening and heard that advice from Liz. Lots of texts as well coming in, sending their love to Helen and um, wishing her lots of support. Keith Davies is a carer for his wife, Beverly. Hi, Keith. Hi, Bronwyn. Thanks for the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, when your wife was diagnosed with dementia, what did that then mean for you as her husband and her carer? Well, initially, at, uh, in the early stages, the very early stages, so uh, we could just get on with life as we normally did. But there were situations where um, it became a little fraught for the first two or three years after uh, Bev had shown signs long before diagnosis, um, we just got on with life as as best we could. Um, friends, socialising, bit of travel, all those sorts of things. But as it, uh, the dementia developed further and uh, uh, through our GP, we started to get messages that, you know, we need to do something about this. Um, and, and that reminds me... Uh, Getting a good GP is the best step you can do, for starters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, um, yeah, then it became a case of uh, trying to get as, as much information as I could about dementia. Dementia Australia, who we've been hearing about, um, came to the fore. I initially used their fact sheets that you could access online. But the uh, number 1-800-100-500-24-7, that was, that was invaluable to, to help uh, find out not just what actions I could take, but, but to, for me to learn more about dementia and, and what it meant for Bev. Um, so, yeah, that was the early stages. Um, moving on, after diagnosis, things harden up a lot, uh, the caring situation at home becomes increasingly fraught i mean the example of helen earlier on in the program that's very extreme one end of the spectrum uh, i certainly didn't face to that extent but nonetheless uh, my experiences were still very difficult often fraught um, lots of tears i had to learn rather quickly that uh, all the things that you'd use in normal circumstances, like um, you know, rationalising and and assisting and advising and things like that, they, they basically go out the window. And uh, and until you accept that, you've got to go into their world. They're not going to come back in into mm -hmm. your world. So you you don't contradict. You don't ask direct questions. You listen. All those sorts of things. Um, yeah, so that's my initial response, uh, Bronwyn. Did you feel supported by 
um, you know, aside from the, the actual likes of Dementia Australia, but, but within your social circle and your family, Keith, was there good support for you? Well, there was because the community where we live up here in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales is a pretty caring, supportive community in itself. But like other speakers of uh, people who have rung in have said, there were situations where uh, people were um, not very helpful, to put it mildly, uh, but other situations where they were very helpful. Uh, I mean, I could take Bev to a local cafe and they knew what was going on and so, you know, we could be comfortable there. Um, but, yes, yeah, support, getting support early, like Barbara said, you need to get as much support as you can as soon as you can. Um, that can be official, like we've been talking about with groups, training programs, um, I was lucky when Bev did go into residential care that I, I met a, a fellow who was lived locally near me but I'd not met before but his wife went into care the same week that Bev went into care and we've been looking after each other ever since. Oh, that's um, terrific. It, uh, look, it's been a lifesaver really. Um, mm. We joke about it. I say, oh, he's my carer. And he says, no, I'm his carer or whatever. <laughs> but it... But it really works, and so if, if, if I mean that was happenstance, and you wouldn't maybe want to force it shouldn't that be situation. happenstance, Keith. Maybe you know we need a buddy system of for those who are interested. Maybe that's a really important thing to think about. Well, I'd certainly endorse that, Bronwyn. You know, it's uh, it's been invaluable. Mm. Um, you mentioned Keith that your wife is now in care. I imagine that was not an easy thing to decide and to, to go on with. What has it been like now that you're not at home with your wife anymore? Well, to put it in a nutshell, I've become a better carer. That may sound a little bit ridiculous, but, I mean, I'm up there every day. I'll, as soon as this call's over, I'll be up there to give her her lunch, give Bev her lunch. Um, but, yeah, I can sleep at night. I can eat properly. I can still get involved in a few things and have the time to do them, um, which I couldn't do before. You know, it was full on, particularly with Bev, in all of her journey with this dementia, she's been in total denial. She wouldn't mm -hmm. accept that there was anything wrong with her and that, that added a, a huge dimension of difficulty. Um, I could understand it. I would have been exactly the same, I would imagine. But, mm -hmm. yeah, when she went into care, I mean, it's a huge decision and... I still feel guilty eight years after she's been in care that long. Um, at the time, you just, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, you know, but um, as I said initially on this one, you, you, you do become a better carer. You can be involved, um, depending, I guess, on the facility's requirements, but I've been lucky to be able to be involved totally with whatever's going on up there with Bev and the others. Um, similarly with Dementia Australia, becoming an advocate with Dementia Australia means I've been able to access lots of other people and, and have their input into terms of my situation and vice versa. But, Keith, um, thank you so much for giving us a, a little insight into what your experience has been like as a carer and for that great advice too about just getting hold of as much information and support as you can. Keith Davies, thank you. Thanks very much, Bronwyn. Keith joining us here on The Conversation, our carer for his wife, Beverly, who has dementia. Maria has given us a call. 
Marie's in Melbourne. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. What did you want to share? Uh, I just wanted to firstly thank all the carers for educating for their loved ones. It's really hard to hear some of these stories. So um, yeah. It's a bit hard to listen to some of these stories. A lot of them sort of touch home, but I just wanted to um, basically share our journey with mum and dad and um, I can, you know, a lot of the, what the carers are saying is stuff that we've gone through. Um, took a very long time for my parents to get assessed, um, you know, bouncing from one catchment to the other. Uh, so eventually, you know, mum probably needed to be assessed for a level four, probably as far back as 2019 and, you know, assessed on a very low package, um, and then um, she's last year after a fall, she was diagnosed as having delirium as well as a whole host of, you know, other medical issues as well, um, which has turned into dementia because she's had, you know, recurring urine infections and, you know, ear infections and stuff like that, which um, we've since found out they sort of can lead to sort of the cognitive deterioration you know, in the brain. So, um, yeah, our journey, we, we've advocated for a very long time for mum and dad in hospital setting and also in the sort of caring, in the carer setting. And eventually we got her assessed on the level four after she was sort of bounced from one catchment to another and she was on a level four. So now she's receiving a lot of the care that she's, you know, needed and help for us because, you know, with dementia as well, and I'm sure a lot of the carers can identify with this, it's, you know, some days are fantastic. You can sit down and have a very, you know, profound conversation with the person and then the next day it's like they're vacant. So, um, so another thing is... Maria, I was yeah, just going to say, sorry. it's it's just not good enough to be bounced around like that and for there and it's something that's being echoed in so many text messages coming through just saying the the amount of not only getting a diagnosis that's hard but then the time you have to wait the forms you have to fill in the bureaucracy around getting the support that you deserve is just excruciating yeah. can i just also interject that mum actually hasn't officially been assessed for dementia but she was put on medication in the hospital setting so she sat there for three months, was well, not assessed, and now we're sort of going through the rigmarole of getting her assessed so she can then have access to um, the supplement as well that is able to help her, mm. um, which the medication for a lot of people, and after speaking to a lot of carers, you find out that it doesn't really do a lot anyway to help with their deterioration. It slows it down surely, but eventually they sort of all get to that place um maria thank you so much for highlighting again i think it's a, the consistent message today just that gaping hole um in in connecting people with uh professionals who can give that diagnosis and then connection through to care and support and financial support too um, i really appreciate you calling and i wish your family all the best Maria in Melbourne there. Councillor Deirdre Diamonte is, an, is the Mayor of Manningham, which has um, put up its hand and said, we are going to become a dementia-friendly city. Hello, Deirdre. Hello, how are you? 
Good. What does it mean to be a dementia-friendly city? So it's a place where people are aware of and understand dementia and also where people with dementia feel included and involved and have have more of a choice and control over their day-to-day lives. And you've Um, actually made it an action area for councils. So what, what does that mean? How is it guiding councils' decisions? So, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question because what it, it does, it encourages us in government as we make decisions to look at it through a dementia-friendly lens. So, for example, when we approved our economic development strategy, we looked at, okay, well, how do our businesses then become more dementia-aware, whether it be in the colours that might be in a cafe or the sounds in, in a cafe or how a medical centre may be more of aware of patients in a waiting room with dementia. So it, it informs that, that decision-making and it also helps guide how we engage with our community around different issues that may impact residents with dementia. Hearing just earlier about Costafield House in Heathcote and really simple things like contrasting paint and Mm. um, having transparency so people can see what's behind doors, those are all sorts of things that we could be thinking um, more about in our public design too, aren't they? Yeah, they absolutely are. I mean, my mother sadly she passed away last year with Alzheimer's but I saw her really hesitating to take a step where the carpet may be dark or the floor may be dark or not sure where a chair might be if it was dark so absolutely these are all considerations that council will be taking as a dementia friendly city. And as someone who has had an experience in your own family Deirdre with with Alzheimer's how important is it to be to be championing this as um, the mayor of Manningham? Well, it's very it's very important, and I'm very lucky that in this role I have some ability to champion it. And in fact, we recently had our mayoral charity gala where we raised money for dementia programs within Manningham. So I'm very I'm yeah I'm in a very lucky position to be able to do that, and, and I'm happy to say we raised fifty one thousand to implement what we call memory lane cafes which is based on a dementia Australia model so that we can set up these places where people with dementia can go address isolation be involved in activities and their carers can also either have a break or be involved in in interacting with the community so yeah it's great to have this opportunity to support our residents with dementia and their carers terrific to to hear from you thank you councillor Deirdre Dalmonte who's the Manningham mayor which has declared itself um, going to become a dementia friendly city this text message says after being a health professional and policy maker now I'm a carer for my husband and son and I wish I knew back then what I know now carers save us 78 billion dollars per year we need to be treated with more respect we need more support and we need greater acknowledgement for all we do. That's from Christine in Riddles Creek. Thank you so much for your calls, your stories and your texts. This has been The Conversation Hour.